Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking a long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Caradini. And today we're going to talk about Circa, which is a great new app. We're going to talk about business models, because we do that all the time here. And we're going to talk about some changes that we've made to the structure of our episodes, because it's a new season. So let's start with that. Woo! It's a new season! Season Yay! 2, episode 1. <laughs> it's so good to be back! 10,000 years the... can give you such a crick in the neck! <laughs> oh, you just made a Robin Williams quote from a movie from the I early 1990s. I totally did! I'm so excited to be back! <laughs> Stephen got married! We both finished a semester and started another semester and did all sorts of crazy traveling, and now we're back! Yes. Life is good. Now we're back. We're back. And we missed you. We really did. By the time that we got to the end of our season break, we were like, can we just can we just start now? Can we just do it? Can, <laughs> do we have to wait? Yes, we do. We have to actually do it when both of us aren't busy. That's that's Details. part of how it's part of how that works. So but we're very glad to be back. And we're very glad to have had some conversations and worked on some issues and hopefully my sound is clearer now because we worked on some of the technological issues that were underlying that. And uh, we also worked on our structure a little bit. Uh, at the end of the episode, we'll be talking about a little section called Before We Go, which is when we get to the end of the episode. Sometimes there's been things go on in the world that we just don't have time to talk about or that aren't specifically winning slowly episode material, but we would love to you know, acknowledge that we know this yeah. is going on. Or that try as we might, we just don't feel equipped to talk about because they're e even bigger and hairier topics than we know how to address. There have been Indeed. a few of those, too. Indeed. But we are citizens of the world. We don't just focus on text. And so we want to kind of point out things that we find that are interesting or relevant or important and bring them to your attention briefly. We're going to throw links to articles in the show notes under the before we go section so you can look out for that jumping right in on circa new ish it's an app that's been around since i think 2011 or 2012 but it's new to us i bumped into it via an article about how they were managing some things for getting reviews on the apple app store of all things but circa is a news app and well, interestingly, it does one thing really, really well, which is it tells present the news. The news. <laughs> and what it, what it actually does here is kind of magical. It tells you the news without a lot of editorial invention, without a lot of clickbait headlines, without a lot of really any Ads. of the things that we hate. But unfortunately, also without a lot of a business model, as near as we can tell. It's and true. So there might be a business would... model. If as so, we don't as know we what often it say is. here on winning yeah we don't know what it is as we often say it could exist it should <laughs> exist we don't know if it we exists we don't know if it exists and yeah. so we wanted to tackle this really from two different angles the first angle is hey this is a fantastic app doing the kinds of things that news apps should do and that news mm -hmm. organizations should do and mm -hmm. the second angle is uh, this is a startup and well, Stephen and I planned out all the topics for, well, 
planned out a bunch of topics for this season and whether we hit all of them and or adjust along the way we will see but one of the themes we're going to tackle an awful lot is the dysfunction that is silicon and valley investment approaches and venture capital and basically the entire scheme of approaching the world in a way that says eh, we don't need a business plan we can get bought yeah it's somebody else's problem right <laughs> Right. But first, the uh, part we like. Yeah. So Chris told me about Circa, and I don't watch TV news. I can't stand when anybody is talking about the news to me. I can even <laughs> watch TV news if the sound is off and subtitles are on, because that's comprehensively different to me than somebody with tone and inflection, sarcasm, and ugh, I just can't stand it. <laughs> Um, I, I literally tell us cannot how you really watch feel, Steven. Tell us how you really feel. I literally can't watch TV news with the sound on. Um, and it, I used to retreat over to, you know, print news either on the web or actually through, you know, an old fashioned newspaper. And even that recently is becoming very difficult to get through all the bias, you know, I whether this is because I'm becoming a more sophisticated understander of bias or whether things are actually getting more biased or any number of things, it's becoming more and more difficult to get through this sort of news gathering I want to do without coming across just unfortunate interjections of particular viewpoints. Um, this is especially awful in comment sections, as you've heard us <laughs> complain about before. One of my New Year's resolutions this year was to stop reading comments on the internet. Like, for real. Yeah, I didn't have to make a resolution about that because I stopped <laughs> doing that a long time ago. I, I found it really nice, though I have to keep reminding myself occasionally. I'll be tempted. Then I'm like, no, what am I doing? Stop! Don't do it! Don't give in! I think, I think this is what I want to do, but I also know it's not what I want to do. <laughs> it's like it's like Romans 7, but in the internet. Yeah, or or like petting a bobcat. <laughs> it looks fluffy your kitty kitty it's... fluffy bite you you just bite. lost an hour of your life and you hated every moment of it yeah but it was circa it doesn't have comments circa doesn't have comments which is amazing they also don't have a stereotypical written structure so they don't have the um you know inverted pyramid style they don't have a transcript of quote style. They don't really have a prose style per se. They have little chunks of information interspersed with quotes, with pictures, uh, no video, interestingly, uh, sometimes tweets, but generally it's little blurbs of text, information, facts, background links to other articles that are hosted within Circa. It's kind of like a news feed of one particular issue. That's a, that's a great summary. And one of the things that's been really interesting to me in using it is because it's presented in kind of those small bite-sized chunks, which are very much the way in which we've become accustomed to acquiring the news, whether it's from Twitter or a Facebook post or wherever else, it is easy to flip down through and scroll down through a news feed of a given story. But it's not because of that unsophisticated or simplistic. It is giving you an overview. I mean, these are not super long stories. They're at most a couple hundred words. But 
the editors and curators, because this is an edited and curated approach to news, they're giving you actual news and they're giving you substantive content. And then at the very bottom, they give you their sources. And this is marvelous because it says, here, you you liked learning what, what is going on in the world? Go read where we got our information. And then the internet being what it is, those sources will generally have other sources and you can click the links to your heart's content. But it's been See, really I interesting to... I implicitly trust their sources because of the way that the information is presented. So I almost never uh -huh. click on their sources. I don't either, but it's nice that it's there. It's true. So you have here an editorial curated approach to news, which in some sense is kind of what the news used to be. You know, you had a newspaper or a magazine or whatever else. You had editors who were in charge of deciding whether news was, well, fit to print, as they say. And a lot of news or wasn't fit to run, deemed... depending on the medium. Yeah. And a lot of news was not deemed fit to print or run. A lot of news was deemed, and eh, that's just not important, or that is not the kind of thing we want to say. It's not the, the sort of thing to which we want to devote space. In the internet era, the blog world, everything gets space. And this is one of the wonders of the internet, but it is also sometimes one of the horrors of the internet, because... Among other things, it makes it difficult to filter. It makes it difficult to identify what is valuable and what isn't because you have such a glut of information. And everything it also is valuable. Becomes difficult. Nothing is valuable. <laughs> right. It, it, paradox of choice and so on. Someone doing the editorial and curatorial work for you is valuable. And mm -hmm. doing it and presenting it without the absolutely horrendous slant that you do pick up from most of the mainstream media one direction or the other is really nice and we're not it's... saying it's real it is really nice but we're not saying that circa doesn't have a slant because they no. definitely have a perspective in the same mm -hmm. way that fox or cnn or msnbc have a slant their slant is objectivity which used to be the bar none sort of way that we did the news here but <laughs> Because it's a contrast right. to these perspectives that are very clearly skewed towards one direction or another, objectivity, in their sense, doesn't have to worry about you know our subjectivity breaking through because there's already somewhere you can go if you want to be that sort of person. Mm -hmm. So clearly Circa has made a decision that they want to do some objective-type reporting, which is a stance all its own. It obscures... Mm -hmm the sorts of priorities you have it obscures the even the name of the authors like there are no authors on circa right there are um, no bylines it, it obscures a lot of things which for people like me i think that's a benefit i don't really want to know in the hard news who wrote it i mean i respect journalists intensely i was one i am one I don't want to deprive them of their right to be known and to make a name for themselves. But in this particular space, they chose not to put their names on their articles, and I think that's great. Like I am mm -hmm. all about this particular presentation of news in this particular way being somewhat anonymized, which means more objectivity, which I'm aware is a stance that is imperfect at all times. But right. even just the attempt to affect that sort of objectivity is so foreign to our polarized sort of culture, which I know polarized isn't the exact technical correct word if you're a political science pe person, but deal with it. 
Um, <laughs> Steven doesn't have time for your politically science correctness. Uh, well, I see what you did there. <laughs> but it's so unusual to see that sort of objectivity even attempt to be affected that I'm totally on board with it. That doesn't mean that I'm against authorship. I'm on record in this podcast and elsewhere that I'm pro-authorship and pro-people getting what they deserve and the credit and the money and all of that. But in this particular case where they chose to do that obfuscating sort of mentality, I'm on board. Yeah, and I think the aim to be providing an objective just basically here are the facts on the ground yeah of course your own perspectives are always going to inform that to a certain extent but the Which existence facts are of... important is going to change by person etc cetera, etc cetera. right but... right but the existence of subjectivity in the world does not mean that objectivity is not a worthwhile goal in some endeavors and so getting that from circa has been great and it's also been really refreshing i noted earlier that there's no clickbait approach on this and in part because they don't at least at present have an ad driven model they're not pushed to do the clickbait approach and we saw even in the last couple of years other new news organizations that we like as a whole have devolved in that way courts started with a lot less of that and has picked up more of it over as time has gone on and, yeah. and my we'll wife used reference to... our clickbait article podcast. We'll let you know where that is. But, uh, you know, my wife had noted to me that she used to really enjoy having the CNN app on her phone, but it was rapidly devolving into clickbait and clickbait and more clickbait. And she's going, this is CNN. I don't care about pictures of 17 celebrities who used to be ugly. Like, what? What is going on here? And so for her, it's been the same kind of a thing, that it's been enormously refreshing to have a news source that is actually focused on the news and lets you lets you pick, here are the categories in which I'm interested. Maybe I'm interested right. in tech and science and art, but I'm not interested in weird things happening in the world, which is kind of one of their categories, or celebrities, yeah. or what have you. Yeah, so I've got... mine is set up almost entirely for world news, because I can't mm -hmm. get mine too. good world news on any of the other major networks because they're all skewed in very, very weird. particular ways. I, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to say that, but weird ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I have it set up for certain push notifications. So today when I got a push notification that says the King of Saudi Arabia is dead, I knew immediately that the King of Saudi Arabia was actually dead um, right. and that there was going to be a new monarch. And that wasn't a clickbait. That means he's mostly dead or dying <laughs> Or maybe is in the hospital for something. Like this means someone somewhere has right. figured out that the king of Saudi Arabia is indeed gone, and now we'll have a new one. And that was invaluable to me that I didn't have to think twice about is there going to be some retraction on this? Is there going to be some sort of oh news breaking news? It wasn't actually dead. Like that's not the way that this <laughs> sort of app currently works. Now, who knows? Right. Maybe they will, you know, devolve or change. But at this moment, my trust in them, misplaced or not, is high. Right. And that, that really leads us into the second half of the show is how long can they sustain this? Because 
They have lots of funding, lots of Silicon Valley venture capital, and in terms of new apps that I've seen with venture capital, they're, they're one of my favorites because they're actually doing something, providing real value to an ecosystem by doing something that most other players in the ecosystem aren't, and it's something that's not just self-aggrandizement in the way of most social media. Um, but as far as we can tell, pretty app and sort of non-existent but promised future web presence notwithstanding, we don't know how they're going to make money. Either they're going to have to add a subscriber model or they're going to have to advertise at some point. Now, me, I'm hoping that they add a subscriber model because I would totally pay for some of the services that they're offering for free right now. And I think I'm probably not alone in that. But the question is, if they don't get a functioning business model, what's going to happen in three years? Because they're paying editors right now, not to mention app developers and designers. And eventually that money runs out. Yeah, it's totally true. There's a big gap between what we're doing now and how great that is and what we can do in the future when we don't know what we're going to get funded by. I mean, right. sometimes that gap is between existing and non-existing, and sometimes that gap is between existing in the ways that make this a great thing and having to alter the scope or focus or business plan to an extent that makes the app unusable. See, for instance, Foursquare and Swarm and all of that business where <laughs> their their new model made the app unusable by design, which was bizarre um and so there's there's a significant problem for chris and i that we love this app and we want to support it i chris and i have both discussed various business plans that we would actually do um uh, you know i would i would pay a dollar a month or even five dollars a month mm -hmm. to have this sort of news continually delivered i mean it's basically like a newspaper you paid more than that a month for a subscription to a newspaper when you were buying your newspaper. So right. I would not feel bad at all paying 5 to $10 a month to get this sort of really good curated, non-annoying news. Mm -hmm. Especially since, you know, if they wanted to do some sort of freemium thing, like I am fully on board with the, the freemiumness of, of this, and I am willing to pay. Like if they were going to slap a fee on this, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I knew it was coming and right. it'd be all right. Like I would be sad for a couple minutes and then like, I'd be like, yay, it's going to last a while. Right. And then that's how it would go. Yeah. In fact, I think for me, I would skip the sadness. I would just be rejoicing that they have a business model and that I can support them because, you know, this kind of thing doesn't pay for itself. And looking at it, there are that's a true. lot of ways in which they could monetize it. You've got, the push notifications for stories to which you subscribe and for that matter the ability to subscribe to certain stories and i would pay for both of those in a heartbeat i would say yes these things are valuable to me in terms of being able to know what's going on in the world and know what yeah what is changing in those stories and i really wish for example that as things were going on with all the breaking events that happened in ferguson last fall that I'd had this then. I discovered it after that. And keeping up with it in a even remotely objective sense was nearly impossible. I just couldn't get anything remotely resembling what are just the facts on the ground as we know them right now. 
Uh, yeah, I had to read the BBC for anything even approximating yeah. what was happening. <laughs> Let's read a British agency to get a remotely <laughs> useful insight into American events. What is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. But, I also read some of the local papers, but those were always a day behind. So. Yeah. Yeah. But being able to say, look, I want I want to know what's going on with the events in Saudi Arabia as the old monarch has passed away. That's useful to me. And on, on yeah. the much more trivial side of things, being able to say, okay, Microsoft introduced something called HoloLens yesterday and it looks super cool. Tell me everything about it every time it, they tell me anything about it. That's just kind of fun. I want to be able to do yeah. those things and I will pay you to let me do them. What I don't get, true. and I think what both of us don't get, is launching without that. Like launching without and going for three years now without that or anything remotely like that in what universe yeah, does know. it make sense not only to launch without a business plan but to just keep not having a business plan yo if if the money keeps showing up i would keep doing it <laughs> right it but ain't something it ain't a self-sustaining there. business plan but man if you keep putting money in my bank account i'll keep doing the work for you it's yeah it's tempting uh yeah but I think that highlights what will, as we mentioned, be one of the themes of this season, which is that Silicon Valley is, and the investing model there is crazy. Weird. It broke Yeah, totally. It incentivizes, and this is one of the things we'll talk about, it incentivizes people to do this, to launch really cool apps with no business plan other than venture capital, and maybe we'll come up with a business plan later. Yeah. We don't want and that because we want Circuit to live. <laughs> yeah, we want it to be alive. And so one of the things that Chris and I have talked about is how valuable and important is the idea of boycotting. And that might seem out of left field, but if there's an app or, mm-hmm. well, basically just an app that doesn't have a business plan that we like but is unsustainable... How valuable is it to say, me and you, these two guys, are not doing this. We are saying no to apps that don't have a business model. We are only going to be a part of apps that have a business model. How much change can that affect? How valuable is that to an ecosystem, to changing Silicon Valley, to changing the way that people think about business in the 21st century? Is it valuable at all? Is it screaming into the wave? Like, it, it, this is something that we're still thinking about and discussing. We have really no idea how... I mean, I mean, the immediate knee-jerk response is, yeah, it does nothing, the end. But... <laughs> right. It's kind of like the knee-jerk response about, well, what does my vote do in a general election? Well, I mean... Yeah, nothing, the end. But there's more, there's more to it than that. There's really, right. I think, more to it. And so we've started to, to ponder, partially because we have this forum, this platform to talk about these things. We have a slightly larger audience than, you know, if we didn't do this. Um, it's not right. as large as Marco Arments or... Barack Obama's <laughs> or you know or the Pope's the Pope. to go back to 0.1 right. but there is we do have a subject position here and we do 
have the ability to speak to you guys, the audience, who we really appreciate listening to our show. Right. And so we're thinking about that. I don't think we have solid answers about that yet. Right. There's a there's a sort of general sense that, yes, you and I can't make a, a – our participation directly won't add – much meaningful it's a it's a blip in the data and our lack of participation won't add much meaningful but one of the things that gets weird in all of these things is that there's no such thing in the real world as just pure statistical data everything is really actually composed of people in this kind of situation and so if enough people start thinking about these things and start asking these questions and start choosing differently because of the questions that they're asking and the things that they're thinking then you get real change and yeah one or two guys don't have that effect but two girls over here and two guys over there doing little things by themselves don't don't add up to a lot but when you start putting those together and you start getting mass effects from that all of a sudden things can change in rapid and surprising ways and the internet amplifies those in surprising ways and so we'll keep coming back to this we have thoughts on it that as steven said are rather embryonic they are far from fully formed but give us your thoughts we'd love to hear from you on some of those ideas and what what kinds of changes we can make and what sorts of responsibilities ethical and moral and otherwise we might have when we're looking at things that concern us like apps that yes. don't have a business model Mm-hmm. it's the whole structure versus agency thing and we're thinking about it so to recap we love you circa you're the best usually i would say never change but here i have to say change change quickly get better find a way to make charge money me money <laughs> Yeah. Here, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so, and then on top of that, how how do we think about Silicon Valley? How do we think about supporting a culture that is, on some level, very friendly to crazy new ideas and allowing you to runway mm -hmm. them for incredibly long amounts of time? Because... The flip side of not having a business plan is that it's there because there are forward-thinking people who say, yeah, runway that for as long as you want. We'll get right. around to that at some point. Right. And that's really cool, and I really like that idea, but I still think there has to be some middle ground. Mm-hmm. So, well, this has been Season 2, Episode 1 of Winning Slowly. How cool is that? It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. It's pretty cool. The opening song was Everglow by Jared Foldy. Don't use his work without permission. We used it with permission. You do the same. Before we go, there are two stories in the world you should know about, and we'll have links to these in the show notes. Number one, there are bad things happening to churches in Niger. We, we would really be happier if those bad things stopped happening to churches and for our fellow christians in the audience especially we would encourage you to pray for those churches and pray for your fellow christians in that environment and for all of our listeners we would encourage you to pay attention to that story and be in contact with government representatives as that makes sense and so on um, 
Hopefully that will change. Secondly, in, in a sort of good news, Ebola is on the run, which isn't actually a sensical thing to say because Ebola is a virus, and if it's running around, things have gotten really scary. Yeah, um, and it's but... actually running less because it's <laughs> in remission right. in a lot of places. It's retreating, yep. and we are very and... excited about that. And hopefully it will continue to, and the next time around, we'll be able to respond more effectively. With more plastic gloves. I kid you not, <laughs> that was the problem. Ugh. Uh, it's pretty astounding. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Carradine. Thanks for listening. <laughs>